Welcome to The Front Porch. I'm Brian Beaudry. This month, I talked to Andrew Haysacker from Arvada Rentals in Arvada, Colorado. Um, Andrew and I met in San Antonio in January at the ARA's Young Professionals Network meeting there. And uh, both of us were there from the very beginning to the very end. So we got to know each other pretty well over that time. And, and I wanted to have him on the show. Uh, we talked about how he's grown in the business, uh, moving into from just a rental sales role to his dad's rental business and kind of the succession planning and taking over that business. Uh, we also talked about developing a vision and the rewards of getting people to buy in on that vision and how to consistently pursue it. Uh, we also talked about how he's been inspired to keep always trying new things and how every once in a while you just have that urge to just do something new and how he uses that to propel himself forward. And we, we also just talked about service overall and how getting in a group of people that are always um, planning to do more and trying to figure out how they, how they can do extra stuff, how that inspires you and, and him um, to get more done, to just be more productive in life. Uh, I hope this is helpful for you, and I, I enjoy talking to Andrew. Um, if you'd like to hear more from rental leaders, then subscribe to the Point of Rental podcast. Uh, anyway, let's go ahead and talk to Andrew. Welcome to The Front Porch with Brian Beaudry. Who are you? Where are you from? And since you're in Colorado now, what are your personal top five favorite mountains? I assume every Coloradan has a list. Absolutely. So my name's Andrew Haysacker. I'm the president and CEO and owner of Arvada Rentals in uh, the Denver area of Colorado. And as far as the mountains are concerned, when I was skiing a lot, I would say my two favorite mountains were Winter Park and Copper. Um, but as I got more into Jeeps, it really kind of became more about the area. Telluride being at the top of the list, uh, Black Bear and Imogene Pass, absolutely beautiful. And then uh, the Buena Vista area, like Holy Cross area as well. So, Okay, I feel like those are areas and not specific mountains, but I'll, I'll allow it because I don't yeah. know if you <laughs> have that list. Um, so before we get into the rest of the things, I heard you pronounce your name there, uh, Hey Sacker. And your name starts with H-E-E, -E, and I feel like that can't be pronounced hey. Please explain why you feel the need to change the rules of how things are said for your last name. Absolutely. So I, I feel the need to change the rules about a lot of things just because that's what I do. Um, but specifically with regard to the name, it, it's Dutch. So the two E's is pronounced hey. There's a, there's a dog that's commonly mispronounced the Kishond. It's got two E's from Dutch, you know, like Holland, and it's actually pronounced Kaysond. So that's the useless knowledge for the day, or one, one part of it anyway. Good. Well, thank you for not uh, calling attention to the fact that my last name starts with B-E-A-U, and often that gets mispronounced because like beautiful and all that stuff. So I get a lot of Beaudry instead of Beaudry. Uh, I yep. realized maybe I shouldn't come at you with this. But now that we've moved past this, uh, let's talk about your previous lives. Uh, when you were a kid, like eight to 10 years old, let's say, what were you thinking you were going to be when you grew up? So outside of 
having the misconception of being an NFL superstar, um, of course. Uh, I think my my first memory of what I wanted to do when I grew up, which is kind of kind of funny, I really wanted to be a trash truck driver, which I guess is kind of a common thing for for kids. So, or at least that's what I tell myself anyway. Have you gotten to drive a, a trash truck? I have not. No. So oh. maybe we'll put that on the bucket list. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say so possible future goal. Yeah. Okay. So I see you're a fellow grad of a big sky school. Uh, I want to say go Eags. Um, did you know exactly where you what you were doing when you were arriving on campus? Or were you were you going for a business degree all the way? Or did you just kind of bounce around? Truthfully, I had no idea. Um, I did go in with the intention of going into the business school because I knew even from a young age, you know, I, I, I had lemonade stands and I sold things in school and um, even through college before I was in the business school, bought and sold like automotive parts, you know, on the side to make money. So I, I kind of always had a little bit of that entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, so I, I, I figured a business degree would help me down that path, no matter what, what place I really truly ended up at. Okay, now I'm trying to picture you selling automotive parts out of like a dorm room. I'm assuming a dorm. It, it was the case. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's funny. My dad and I just had this conversation. I literally would have like axles and uh, skid plates and so on and so forth, like in my dorm room, intake manifolds, you know, whatever, whatever I knew I could buy from a junkyard and resell for more money. And yeah, I literally had an axle underneath my bed at one point when I was in college. So Sounds like a very strange thing for someone to walk into your room and be like, what yep. is happening here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you mentioned that you seem to have been selling for, since you were a kid. Um, do you really like selling? Is, is that like your passion or are you kind of happy to get away from it and focus on managing a full business or? I think more, more so the latter. Uh, I did, you know, I did start out, you know, after, out of college, kind of in the inside sales world, and then went to outside sales two different times. And I, I liked several aspects of selling, building relationships. I liked, believe it or not, the data part of it. Uh, our sales team, we just finished reading the book, Fanatical Prospecting, and that kind of centers around that, building a pipeline and making sure it's full and, and casting a wide net. So that, that part of sales always uh, resonated with me and uh, of course the relationship building part of it I was never the most silver tongue person in the world you've known me long enough which doesn't take very long but to, to figure that part of it out um, and so I was never and, and in hindsight it probably was a good thing that I did just okay because if I had done great who knows where I would have been now you know but it, it was a very definitely a good experience in the long run so it worked out to just be kind of average in a thing. And you're like, all right, this is maybe yeah. not where I want to be forever. Yeah. Okay. So I saw like looking at your LinkedIn that you were in, I mean, you grew up in Colorado, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you've been Born basically your whole life in Colorado. And then you had this little time where you go to Vegas. Why did you head, head to Vegas? That's a, a great question. I was, uh, <laughs> it's kind of silly. I, I never actually visited there before moving out there. So that was kind of crazy, but answering the question, I was like 25 years old and I was kind of, at the time I felt bored and stagnant and uh, an opportunity opened up with the company I was with at the time, Neff Rental, which is now United Rental. And I jumped on it and just 
jumped in, you know, head first and didn't look back. And it was a, it was a great experience. Great, great town to live in when you're, when you're 25 and never really a huge gambler, but um, so that probably helped, but yeah. Yeah. Wow. I thought uh, looking through it, I, I was assuming that you like got uh, forcefully transferred there or something, or that you had yeah, to, I didn't no. know that you volunteered for it. Yeah. Uh, so what were some of the challenges moving to that totally new location? Uh, well, again, not, not having visited it, it was, it was kind of a, a bit of a culture shock and, you know, being born and raised and spending most of my life and, some, you know, that's kind of a normal thing, but, you know, it's not like it was, I didn't move to Greece or Ireland or anything that was super crazy or Asia, but uh, it was a little bit of a culture shock. I, I liked the fact that everything was open 24 seven um, and it was, it was a lot hotter out there. I, even now I'm like, man, I, I, at some point I'll probably winter somewhere where it's warmer um, other than Colorado. Uh, so that, that part was challenging in a fun way, learning a whole new town. You know, when you, when, when you live somewhere your whole life, you, you understand main artery, you know, roadways and streets and stuff. And I pretty much had to relearn everything. So that was, that was definitely challenging in a good way. Yeah. Did you have to like, was it also difficult for you to like reestablish, I would assume a network. Cause like, if you've lived in one town your whole life, you know where you can go. You have like all these resources near you, you know, people, and then you're moving to Las Vegas. Yep. Do you know anyone there? No, I didn't know anybody there. So yeah, that was, uh, that was another uh, pretty big challenge that I was definitely up for just meeting new people and, and going out, you know, and, and, you know, being in, in outside sales, that kind of helps you, it kind of forces you to, have to talk to people so that that really helped uh i didn't include this in my questionnaire for you uh give me your craziest vegas story if you have one well that that i can talk about on this call we'll see i'll have to uh i'll have to think a bit on the fly of that but i don't know i think i was with uh i was with a dude that ended up one of his friends that was there at the same time ended up winning like $30,000, which at the time was like a lot, a lot of money. Um, so just kind of had, had fun for like the whole night, you know, and, and stayed out till the sunrise and stuff. So, yeah. That's a good family friendly answer. Always winning 30,000 is, is always nice. Yeah. Okay. So you head down there, you're doing all this new stuff, but within a year you're back in Colorado. So what brought you back? Yeah, it was uh, it was about sixteen or seventeen months, I think, um, and and you know I it was just kind of a part of the journey, I would say. I, I think I always kind of intended to get back to Colorado. It just so happened to be that things were kind of changing enough at the time, and and there was an opportunity that opened up back in Denver for me to kind of start to dip my toe into like the management world and have a little bit more a different responsibility uh so I, I just ended up taking the opportunity to come back it really was kind of easier than than it sounds just the opportunity came up yeah it's nice when you have the opportunity to grow where you want to and it happens to be in a spot where you're like yeah i'm totally happy with going right back there yeah okay so you you go back and it's for this position at nef but within a couple of years, you're at, sorry if I don't pronounce it right, Arveda, Arvada. Which one? Arvada. Arvada. Okay. Arvada. I'm totally, I'm yeah. totally kind of like off. Nevada. Arvada. It's all right. Yeah, makes sense. 
Okay, so a couple Andrew years. Andrew from Arvada. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ruin all of this pronunciation at the beginning when I do an intro. That's all right. <laughs> um, a couple of years later, you're Arvada, which apparently your dad was the co-owner of for quite a while, according yep. to an article I saw online. Uh, did you always want to work with family? Were you all, already in succession planning mode? Or did you get like a sense that he was having you go through a trial run to see if like testing you to see if you're ready or interested in it? Um, so I'm kind of a non-traditional second generation rental person. I did not grow up sweeping the floors. You know, mo most, most people did. And my dad always kind of pushed me, I wouldn't say away, but definitely from, from minute one, it was like, you know, he didn't want to subject me to being the boss's son essentially. So I always kind of did anything. It's funny to look back on it now from the outside looking in, it all looked very well planned from the succession standpoint, but no, that was not the intention. And when I left NAP at the time, it was, it was more, Hey, you know, I had a non-compete agreement, of course, and it was like for a year. So I was like, Hey, I could either work, work that out and then go somewhere else, or I could work myself into management and potentially ownership. And that's what ended up happening. Well, since you're now the president slash CEO there, I am assuming that you've succeeded at succession planning. Um, if you could give someone who's about to go through that process a couple of pointers, what would you say? Uh, I would say the the most prolific uh, experience that we had that I learned from was making sure that the parent-child uh, relationship came first. My dad and I kind of from day one knew that there was a potential that we could butt heads it, and we did. Um, like any good, you know, parent or parent uh, child relationship will have happen. Um, but we knew that our relationship, father son, was significantly more important than anything at the business. So putting that first and foremost really, really helped in the long run. And I'm happy to say that my dad and I have a great relationship at this point. So. Awesome. Well, since you guys have such a great relationship, it will be okay to go back to one of those points that you butted heads like really hard. What is like the moment that you're like, oh, this guy? Um, uh, that's a that's a good point. I was I was very energetic, I should say, when I first came on, and I I really wanted to move mountains out of the gate and change things and bring in larger equipment. And uh, I very quickly had to learn kind of somewhat the hard way, somewhat just by learning, you know, just by chance of like, Hey, gotta, gotta slow down and, and respect the tenure of people and respect what had been built in the past. And I think that was probably the turning, turning point for me was that I, I had to, I had to understand that basically I had to slow down a little bit and just check myself and, and really respect the process. And now that it's, now that it's all yours, are you trying to grow or are you just, being, are you learning from that? And you're like, ah, stupid young me. No, it's funny. It's, that's a good question. Um, I didn't know anything, but uh, now, you know, I, I always had like the vision in my head. Um, it's just making that vision uh actually coming to real life that that was the journey and so now we're kind of in a different mindset as a company in terms of like doing those things you know whether it's 
upgrading fleet to much larger things or more long-term rentals or a different customer base or, you know, we used to work on lawnmowers and we don't do that anymore. So that, that was always there just getting from point A to point B. There's, there was like a, a lot of ups and downs between point A and point B. But now I would say we're in a position where it's a lot easier for changes to kind of happen because we're now, we being the company, a lot more used to like, hey, this is the direction we're going. This is the vision that was in Andrew's head. And people can see it. People can feel it. And and that's really taken quite a while. And that's kind of the trajectory that we're on. That's cool. Okay, well, we're roughly the same age, I assume, based on we're both in YPN, so we have to at least be under 40. Um, and I always like to refer to myself as the old guy around the office, especially in the marketing team, where I am by far the oldest person. Uh, but I think I'd feel young and overwhelmed if I were in a leadership position like yours. Uh, what do you think gives you the confidence you need to lead people and to do it consistently? That's a great question. Um, first part of it, there's times where I feel really, really young when I'm around other people that have been at the company as long as I've literally been alive, feed me as a small child. Uh, but then there's times where I feel really old when I'm around people that are like in their early 20s. So it's just, it's just one of those things. So, so then to answer the ultimate question, uh, what gives me that confidence is, is the consistency and the persistence of like, hey, here's the vision that's in my head. And whether I'm feeling on the older side or feeling on the, on the young side, this, this vision that I have is it's applicable to the company. So whether I'm listening and learning from people who have more experience or I'm listening and learning to people that, have, that are younger, staying in that mindset's what's been able to, to help me focus on the greater good. So it's kind of taking what they have to say and applying it to that vision and seeing how it fits in and how it can help. Yep. All right. Hey, everyone. Are you ready to laugh? It's time for Jonathan's Jokes. Let's give him a hand. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So for today's joke, what do you give a sick lemon? Lemon aid. Okay, so you and I are both on the ARA Young Professionals Network Committee, as as I just mentioned. Um, we met at the conference in San Antonio. We were even both there from the committee meeting at the very beginning to the volunteering project. And I'm going to be honest and say it was my first conference, so I only signed up for everything just so I could say, like, hey, I, I've tried everything out. Uh, but you seem to actually have a passion for serving. So let's talk about some of the stuff you do. Tell me a little bit about Team Rubicon. I've heard the name, but I've never really looked into it. Sure. Yeah, from, from a young age, uh, my parents kind of instilled, my dad was always active in volunteering and, you know, I was always, I was active in volunteering, you know, even in grade school and stuff. So I've, I've always kind of had that serving mindset be a part of me. And so as I've, as I've grown, um, you know, speaking specifically to ARA and, and YPN, there's, something I learned quite a while ago is when you're around, if you're around 
you know, only people that sit on a couch and have no drive and aren't going anywhere, you're probably going to fall into that trap. But if you're around other people that have a like mindset that I do and are driven and taking this challenge and they're either managers or leaders or salespeople uh, at any level, you, you are then a product of that environment. So that's what I kind of try to apply, you know, just doing, doing the ARA and YPN plug, perhaps I'm skipping ahead on our questions here, but um, that, that mindset has really helped me grow myself and the company. And then overflowing into other organizations such as Team Uricon, um, just to give a quick background on that organization, wonderful organization. It's a disaster response organization. I found it because I was looking for a nonprofit that I could spend that I could be kind of consistent with through the years. Uh, obviously, life takes you in funny directions. And I think I volunteered about 250 hours the first or second year I was a member of them. Now it's like I try to get, I set a goal for myself this year to get out for like 20, 25 hours. But the organization, now organization specifically, is disaster response and it's about 70% military, 30% civilians, such as myself. And so it's kind of a twofold. It helps communities to recover or to get out ahead of disasters, whether it's wildfires or hurricanes or anything like that. And then it also has the other element, the military aspect of it that I, I find to be also, um, I'm, I'm fairly passionate about just being able to help with that you know, your, your previous military, so you get it. But like, once you get out, it's finding that, like having that, that serving mindset is kind of challenging. So team Rubicon enables military veterans to have that renewed sense of passion. So that's, which I think, you know, obviously I love and support our military and veterans have literally like given so much. So to be able to, help that continue I think it's just great so that that's the background on that and again uh, hoping to get out with them several times this year okay so I also saw that you it looked like you went to, back to school and got some additional training when you joined as well so how is that going back back to school like after you've been out of school for a while yeah great question so if there's probably a common theme to through this conversation and other conversations with pe people that know me but Sometimes I have a tendency to get bored and go a little stir crazy and get a little stagnant. So I, I frequently like to shake things up. So my wife actually in a previous life was an EMT. And as I was getting more and more involved in Team Rubicon and the whole disaster response thing, kind of just got the itch. And uh, my wife and I ended up joint, uh, taking a first responder certification class. And so that was that was kind of a product of that. It's like, just needing to shake things up in my life and, and set a new challenge and a new goal for myself. So yeah, I went back to school and I don't know, I'll, I'll probably do something else in the future, go back to school, whether it's, you know, I don't, you know, it might be an MBA or it might just be another sort of certification or whatever. Um, but just always setting new challenges, I think is, is the reason that we did that. And then from that, it kind of, it resonated to me that that mindset the first responder the emt you know the the police and fire that those those types of personalities i i get along with very well as well because they're kind of equally as driven so it was 
it was fun to to learn those skills and then to be able to potentially apply them. Have you ever had to apply them? No, not really. Thankfully, obviously, um, I I'm one of those people I like to I like to prepare. I like to study. I like to just be prepared in general. So that was part of it. Uh, this conversation is kind of a little fresher. So thank you for that. I probably need to re up my my certifications. Um, but no, I hadn't didn't didn't need to apply them. Thankfully. Yeah, I remember like taking EMT classes when I was in like high school, college age. And it was one of those things where it's like, I I really want to know this, but also I'm scared to death of ever possibly having to use it because it's like, I what if I forget and screw up? I don't I don't yeah. want to have that on me. And that's and that's the thing with it is creating those habits. So when something happens, you can kind of cut through the uh, increased blood pressure that you have in a situation like that and increase just fight or flight response and be able to hopefully help you know potentially help somebody in this situation like that but if you have those habits to fall back on like how to apply a tourniquet or how to do cpr or any of those types of things um you can use those hopefully just because it is a habit uh so when you're doing like these these 250 hours and it's not like emt type stuff what what are you doing as far as the recovery um the efforts to help recoveries and stuff yeah, so so the primary bulk of what we do did, I should say, and, and still do the organization is wildfire uh, mitigation, actually. So a lot of like clearing out dead trees and so on and so forth. Um, that's kind of the bulk of the work in Colorado. And then the, obviously there's a lot of recovery from wildfires as well. Uh, the organization and, and one of my bucket list goals is to go, they actually deploy you for like 10 or 14 days to go, whether it's a hurricane or whatever. And you can do things such as like muck out, you know, houses that have been, you know, decimated and stuff like that. So that's kind of the, the lion's share of, of the goals. Mm. That, that must be why you're such an expert on the wheelbarrow and like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Doing some of that grunt work that we were doing at, uh, at the YPN event. Um, yep. As an associate member, the primary benefit for me is just having the opportunity to interact with full members and see the challenges you guys are facing, trying to understand what y'all are looking for and needing. Um, what do you get from it as someone running a rental store? And why should people join either the YPN or ARA in general? I, I knew I skipped ahead a little bit there, but yeah, that's specifically um, kind of just, I guess, reiterating that is the people that I've met through, whether it's ARA or YPN or other organizations as well, is they're all in their own, whether they're, whether they work for an associate member such, such as Point Rental or they work for United Rentals, the, the biggest in our industry, or they're a single location. They all have that passion to serve and that, and they, they're looking to further themselves. So, I'd say just being around other people that have that similar mindset is honestly where I get the primary value. I've developed some great friendships through the years of people that, you know, whether they're in outside sales or they're managers or sometimes owners or human resources managers or whatever, um, they all, you know, those conversations that you have that are not even specific, they're, they're at the social or whatever. I get a ton of value out of that. It's just being 
excuse me, being around like-minded people. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, like you're mentioning before, just just those people that are wanting to do more and just getting ideas from other people that are always looking to do more can always help you. Yep. Okay, you're pretty active on LinkedIn, but clearly you have a lot going on in your life. How are you able to maximize connecting on there while also preserving time to do everything else? So that, you know, and especially through, through the last couple of years with uh, COVID and everything, it's, it's been kind of weird. To be honest with you, I probably spend or have been known to spend too much time, like too much screen time, you know, whether it's, it's like sometimes I feel like it's phone to computer to TV. And it's like, so I've had to really kind of hit the reset button this year of like, sometimes I just need to put that stuff down. So what one trick that I've been using is kind of, set aside specific time to, to help grow my, my social media presence, you know, whether I'm more of a morning person. So it's usually in the morning, uh, get that, get that done and just try to focus on building that and building the, you know, they call it personal branding now, but just whether it's marketing and branding from a company perspective or from a personal perspective, being consistent and pushing it forward, but also knowing when to unplug and switch gears and do other do other tasks. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I feel like the times that I see you on it feels like you're taking setting like 15 whatever minutes in the morning and like maybe an, another 15 minute block like later in the day and saying like all right this is LinkedIn yep. time this is time to interact with people. Yeah. And, okay, keep in touch. It's a good idea for for me. I think I'm gonna steal it. What's one trait that you believe all great leaders have in common? Um, what first came to mind for me was kind of twofold, but empathy and listening, I think, and they kind of can go hand in hand, but number one, just listening, listening to people and actively listening. I should, I should maybe be a little bit more specific on that. Like everybody can have a conversation and just do the bobblehead Joe thing, but also be thinking about, you know, where they're going to go after or whatever, but actually taking the time to listen to people. And then the empathy aspect of it is just really trying to put yourself in another person's shoes and try to see where they're coming from, whether it's somebody that's in the same exact, you know, maybe business owner, same age, you know, white male or whatever, or it's somebody that's half my age, you know, or somebody that's twice my age or whatever, maybe in a different industry is just really trying to soak in what their struggles are and what their perspective on life is. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, especially with like the younger people, just like the sheer amount of information they've had to deal with and like just having to handle basically being internet present your entire life. It's like, man, I yeah. feel, I feel bad for you not having like what I would consider a real childhood, but I guess is, yeah. is the regular thing now. Um, if you weren't running a rental business, what would you be doing right now? Um, wonderful question. Um, and without that, I would say I would, I would be volunteering a lot, like 250 hours would probably be my minimum if I wasn't running a rental business. Uh, I would certainly be traveling the, the, the world, excuse <laughs> me, Asia, Europe, the whole nine yards. Um, and I'd probably do something either EMT like or wildland firefighting kind of piques my curiosity through the years. Um, but just stuff to give back to the community, uh, but also to kind of nurture that like need of mine to not be bored stagnant. 
Yeah, those don't sound like very boring jobs. So yeah. <laughs> I think you wouldn't be bored. Um, are you a podcast guy? I feel like you might be, but I met a lot of people at the conference and I'm not entirely sure that was you that was a podcast guy. If you are, what are your go-to podcasts? It could have it could have been me. I say a lot of things sometimes, but um, I, I wouldn't consider myself a podcast guy. There's this, there's a handful that I do listen to, like Wall Street Journal and stuff. I really kind of tried to focus a lot more on like books, you know, audio books. Uh, I mentioned the fanatical prospecting. Did it takes what it takes to steer uh, the book, and obviously the whole traction EOS series. Done all those over the last year or two. Um, so really more, more of a audiobook person, but okay, trying good. to find I have some a more philosophical question for you. Does it count Shoot. as reading a book if it's an audiobook and you listen to it? That is a great philosophical question. Like whether or not a tree makes sound in the forest. Um, I, I say it does personally. I do. Um, again, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. If I could change one thing about myself, it would be to actually read a real book more. Um, so I try to set a goal for myself to do a little bit of that as well, but I, I think it counts because you're still getting the same, the same content, you know, and as long as you're actively listening to the book, I think you're, you're going to learn the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, maybe as a kid, it doesn't count the same, but it's like, once you're an adult and you know, you know that you know how to read, it's like, yeah, I, I guess it does count. And sometimes yeah, you get the you author go. reading it in their voice and it's like, it's actually a little better experience. Perfect. Okay, before we get into the five important questions, is there anything the world should know about you that I haven't even thought to ask about? I don't think so, to be honest with you. Covered, covered the bases pretty good. Okay, good. Five important questions. Five important, five important questions. questions. Five important questions. What would you say is your greatest success in life? Um... So I guess that would kind of go back to the question right before we transition into this is, was there anything else? But uh, my wife and I just welcomed a uh, baby girl into the world November 1st, 2021. So I, I'd say that's probably my, my most, my biggest success in life so far. However, it wouldn't have happened if I didn't meet my wife and convince her to go out on a date with me in the first place. Um, those of you that know my wife, she's significantly out of my league. So um I would say that's probably my biggest success is, is talking her into going out with me to begin with. So now here we are 10 years later, pretty much. Congrats. Well, most important sales job of your life. Yep, for sure. Okay. If you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice when you started your career, what would it be? Uh, I would say probably and it's kind of a, a fun phrase from the book I previously mentioned, but it, it takes what it takes. Just go out, you know, show up early, stay late, hustle, just, you know, don't just nurture that like willingness to go above and beyond and that drive and the passion to, to just get, get stuff done. is probably what I would, what I would say. All right. What is the most embarrassing moment in your career? Oh, man, I uh, I debated on uh, how vulnerable or honestly I wanted to answer the question, of course, but there was a time about four or five years ago, and there was a, a certain person at ARA that had asked me to help moderate uh, a session at uh, the ARA show, 
And it wasn't until it was already like 15, 20 minutes into it that I remembered that I was supposed to be there. And another thing is people that know me know that I'd like pretty dialed in and I, I live by my calendar and I don't, I, I don't, not only do I not miss things, I'm usually there early and staying late, of course, but I totally missed that. And I felt still five years later and I still feel bad about that. So that was super, super embarrassing. So, yeah. All right. Well, def definitely been there, but sorry, uh, you've been sentenced to death because now you're not allowed to be 15 minutes late to anything. Um, <laughs> and we've installed some pretty harsh penalties for it. Uh, what What is your last meal and why? Um, I would say uh, definitely started out with caviar. Just kind of recently got turned on to that and it's like the greatest thing ever. And then probably like the best steak that you could find done as rare as you can get it. And then uh, probably do the surf and turf thing with lobster as well. So maybe throw a carb and a vegetable in there, but well, that, that's kind of not important. We really haven't spent a lot on your last your last meal. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, would you want a dessert? I, I need to clarify that. No, I don't think so. No. I'm not. I'm not really a dessert guy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? I know you already suggested an idea for many yep. things to change about various questions, but we got to do the questions as they're listed. So if you could change one thing as about yourself, listed. got it. Sorry. <laughs> um, like I said, I don't know, Re reading an actual paperback book a little bit more. Um, but just in the spirit of getting, getting back on track on the questions, I would say being perhaps a little bit more in control of like my motivation. You know, I, I've mentioned that where I'll, I'll get like stagnant and stale and now I'll have to just like change things up. I think, you know, I'd probably, if I could change one thing is it would be a little bit, maybe a little bit more consistent with that regard and, and just stay on things and, you know, keep, keep my motivation levels a little bit more consistent. Okay. Would, would that result in, are, are you saying more changes or let just saying less severe changes? A little of both, I would say. Probably more more changes, a little bit less severe, absolutely. Um, but basically, not getting to that point where I'm like, I have to like do something crazy, you know. Okay, I I definitely relate to that. Uh, thing. Okay, if you could change one thing about the entire rental industry, what would it be? You are now, I'm a weird genie that only gives you the power to change and everyone instantly in the rental industry. What, what do you choose to do? My answer to that question would probably be uh, increase awareness and rental penetration. Rental penetration is basically like of all the equipment that is in a specific geographical territory, United States, for instance, um, increase that percentage of rental penetration, pretty much build the industry. You know, in, in Europe, this may be an old number, but their rental penetration was like 70% of the equipment. I'm pretty sure I remember correctly. Uh, in America, it's significantly less than that. But basically just getting away from that, you know, as a society, like having to own everything and, you know, own it, throw it away, you know, kind of throwaway culture but letting the rental industry provide that those, especially the bigger ticket items um, to increase awareness of the industry. That's, that's what I would change. Okay. 
Yeah, I was gonna say, do you think we're do you think we're on the way to that as like people get more focused on sustainability and reuse and all that type of stuff? And this is I absolutely of... think we're 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 on that track for sure. Okay. What is your spirit spice? Um, I would say turmeric. Um just because it's kind of it's it's a lot sometimes, uh, but it's also really good for you. So okay, I like that. <laughs> you, I think you have thought through that question the most and had the best answer. <laughs> okay, what is the most difficult part of your job? I would say the most difficult part of the job is keeping a great company culture. It's just. And, and I say this, it doesn't, it doesn't, hopefully it doesn't come off negative or sound negative, but it's certainly a lot to be able to make sure that everybody that's kind of in the organization wants to get up every day and do these things and work to the greater good and feel valued as, as an employee. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just, <laughs> just being able to like, manage relationships with that many people is tough enough but getting them all organized and going in the same direction especially as you're yep. hiring new people or if i don't know if you have a lot of part-time employees as well or or seasonal yeah, handful yeah so yeah i can i can imagine that being incredibly difficult so does that we'll see if this ties into the next one what's the most rewarding part of your job it absolutely does tie into to that that question for sure that is that is also the more most rewarding part you know just knowing you know and we we uh, previously mentioned run on traction eos but getting that feedback from people and making sure that their voices are heard and, when, and once you start seeing that and you start seeing people pick the ball up and run with it uh in things that again also as previously mentioned that vision that was in my head once it starts getting kind of uh, this is a traction phrase, but shared by all, that's really super rewarding. Do you have a specific example of like one person where you saw like a moment that they bought into something or, sorry, I'm uh, throwing extra questions that were totally. No, that's fine. That's, that's fine. I can, I can think of my feet usually. Um, <laughs> I would say there's, there's some tenured people that are still with us that have been you know, hired by my dad 20 or so years ago. And to hear them tell the, tell the story of what they've seen change over the last five to, you know, eight years and, and be proud of that and like make that realization. That's, that's certainly been um, super rewarding as well. Okay. Well, thank you again for joining me today. Andrew. Um, I appreciate Thanks you for having taking, me. I appreciate you taking the time.